Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, it's time for the podcaster. If he was writing a pitch in a show for tweens, a GOT show for tweens, it'd be called uh, Three-Eyed Raven, oh so raven, uh, patrons. Thanks for making that possible. And it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast to put you to sleep. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome to Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. Uh, we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is to create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. It could be thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, changes in time or temperature, changes in routine. You know, whatever it is that's keeping you up, you know, like so stuff you're thinking about, anything you're experiencing physically or that's coming up for you emotionally... Uh, those are three of the zones, but it could be, you know, it could be some of the travel, uh, whatever scheme you could like to take your mind off of that. What I'm going to do is I get this nice, safe place here set aside, reserved, uh, and it's only, it's one of the first, uh, like, uh, you uh, are a VIP, and that means you, uh, like, uh, where you say, hey, come on in. This, this safe place is welcoming, opening. It's not exclusive, but it has a feeling. You know, believe it or not, we do have. I don't know if you're familiar with the Muppets, uh, but you, you might not believe this because it's probably uh, not not exactly true. But it's imaginarily true. Is uh, you know the Muppets? They had a Muppet show, so that was like a regular gig. And then the Muppets. I, I got to get back to the intro, but then the Muppets had. Um, now they're in movies, right, from time to time. And not every Muppet is like, you know, a Kermit, Miss Pig, you know, the big draws. You know, there's Muppets that are on the um, lower on the marquee or the posters, right? And those Muppets may or may, may not take side jobs or freelance gigs. And I'm just saying if any Muppets did, uh, Bunsen, Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker would probably... Uh, be running a sleep with me labs uh, somewhere and they would be the ones working on that uh what did i say exclusive where it feels exclusive uh you say well i've never uh, here's the things with me i've never been on a cruise never been to sandals or club med or the one with all the romance where everybody's you know where the the, the couple looks like they're uh i don't know is that sandals or is this, is was that in the 80s uh I know I've seen an ad where they this this couple looks like they, they say, "Well, that looks exclusive," you know, or club level. I haven't stayed at club. I don't I don't spend a lot of time on club levels uh, or private clubs, but uh, or clubs in general. What was my point? Oh, so but when you think about those things, you think about, "Ooh, it feels exclusive." Uh, that's what this safe place feels like. You're you're important because your sleep's important. And it's important to me. Also, it's important to me to go off topic early. So I'm going to create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings. Oh, I said that physical. Oh, what I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night, get mixed up, go off topic. I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, uh, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, 
you know, other stuff, stuffing, a lot of stuffing, filler, fluff, all that stuff. Uh, you say, when to, I wonder if a Muppet has ever written like one of, like an ode, an ode to my stuffing. Who would, who would, who would do the odes? I'm sure they're actually the, maybe Sam the Eagle, but that would be a little bit more of a patriotic ode. I don't think, I mean, Fozzie would do a joke ode. Like Gonzo, possibly. Miss, P- Miss Piggy would do one, probably, but that would go, so, oh, anyway, oh, who are the Muppets? Oh, boy, you missed out. Uh, but never too late to discover them. In fact, I think uh, the Mystery Bard watches the Muppet Show and has encouraged me to rewatch the Muppet Show with my daughter, and I, I take I take that advice, uh, I'm taking that advice to heart. Okay, but where was I? I'm going to send my own oh, lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders. If you're new, sorry, yeah, welcome. Sorry about that. I've gone off. Uh, I guess I've like I got I just. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, I've had a rainbow connection recently with the Muppets or something. As Hardy Har Har. Okay, if you're new though, uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. This podcast is a bit different, so I want to set up a couple things for you. One, I'm glad you're here. Your sleep or taking your mind off stuff, keeping you company, uh, that's important to me. So I'm going to be here just to take your mind off stuff. So here's the thing. No pressure to listen to me. You can fall asleep whenever you want. You could listen however you want. Some listeners will listen close. Some listeners listen kind of amused or bemused. Uh, some listeners imagine me like uh, with a Muppet on. No one's, I don't know if anyone's ever imagined me sitting with a Muppet on my knee. You say, Muppet on your knee, $1,000 fee. And you say, great way to, I say, well, that's just how my brain works. It goes from uh, one thing to another. Uh, oh, that was water on the knee. Thank you. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, mean, oh, you don't need to listen to me. Okay. That's one thing. If you're new, second thing is there's no pressure to fall asleep. These shows are an hour plus, uh, cause I'm here to keep you company as you drift off. I'm more here as your companion walking at your side, providing you with some friendly banter and distraction as you drift off, uh, because I really, truly believe you do deserve a good night's sleep, but I feel like there's too much pressure around that, right? Uh, uh, you deserve it, uh, and I just want to ease you into it. So no need to listen, no pressure to fall asleep. And structurally, what to expect, the show starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep a podcast free and coming to everybody. Uh, then uh, we have an intro. The intro is kind of like a bedtime wind down. It's like a 12-minute uh, show within a show uh, where I slowly guide you towards bed to bedtime. Like some listeners listen to the intro while they get ready for bed. Some listeners listen to the intro while they're in bed drifting off. Some listeners fall asleep to the intro. A few percentage of listeners skip the intro. And a lot of people, or more and more people, listen during the day. I guess particularly to the intros, but sometimes to the stories too, for a little break during the day too. Uh, but the intros where I try to explain what the podcast is to the new listener every time, and this is where it is, but like a Muppet show or a Muppet movie, or just like the word Muppet. If you didn't like, you say what? Well, I don't know what a Muppet is, but I know what that word sounds like. And you'd say, Scoops, it sounds like when you're trying to explain what the podcast is for the 775th time. And you try, 
Uh, so it's like the up it part, but you never get there, which is like the mum part. And I say, exactly. It's a part of my, it's actually part of my method. Actually, that's why it's a real, you know, totally intentional that I say, one day I'm going to find the perfect metaphor for a podcast. It turns out that whatever this Muppet-based metaphor isn't the perfect one, especially since I don't even remember what my original point about the Muppets was. It was something, uh, oh, Bunsen, oh, because they have Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker. I'm imagining if they worked for me on the side, you know, like uh, they would be designing new meanders for me. You know, creaky dulcet tones, making a safe, comfortable place. Uh, of course, then you'd say, well, Scoots, I've watched those Muppet movies. What about all the unintended consequences? And I'd say, well, doesn't that usually just happen to Beaker? Beaker's the, like, uh, Beaker's resi- talk about, oh, here's another totally unrelated thing, but in some sense connected. And I don't know if that, there was, so there was an app a while back, Super Better. I'm not sure if that's out there. I was trying to teach people resiliency and the importance of resiliency. And that's considered the sport and part of like, uh, I guess like integrated with self-care and mindfulness and, and, uh, and flourishing is resiliency, right? Uh, how come, here's the thing, this is a free idea that you will, you know, that you will free, you know, try a trial offer. If, if you use it, please give me a, and the, 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 the giant corporation that owns the rights, you know, full, full, equal financial stakes. Uh, but how come uh, uh, Beaker's not used in every resiliency metaphor or, you'd see, is there a resiliency institute? Well, one does Bunsen Honeydew run it? Probably. Yeah, but if there was like the resilient resiliency, like the mo- a model of resiliency, like you got the modern major general, modern major, you know that one. You'd say, who, what's a model? And you say, well, there's beakers in a, a puppet scooter, and I'd say a representative model of resiliency, the beaker story. How about that beaker, a model of resiliency? Okay, maybe, possibly, right? Uh, so Beaker's a character in the Muppets that was like the foil to Dr. Bunsen Honeydew's uh, the grand plans to uh, help the human condition through science. Emotionally through, actually through mechanics and science, usually. Okay, so, and I'm here to just help you uh, with meanders. So, oh, structure with respect. So the intro goes on and on and on. Eventually, it peters, peters out, uh, not, not that long from now. Uh, then, believe it or not, we'll go from talking about Muppets to, to me trying to remember uh, all the plot lines. In 45 minutes, I'll try to remember everything that happened at Game of Thrones and the, uh, all the seasons. And that should be pretty sleepy because my recall is uh, not excellent. Uh, but really, this podcast, uh, and then so there's uh, the intro, uh, some business, then the story, or Game of Thrones discussion. Be very vanilla, don't worry. And then some thank yous at the end. If you want to skip the ads, you just become a patron. It's podcast.com slash patron. Um, what else? Uh, uh, I think that's it, a structure of the show. I thought there was something else I was going to remember that was Muppet related. Yeah, but I, I don't know. So, 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 yeah, the podcast is here to keep you company and to take your mind off stuff. And, and oh, because I really do believe uh, 
I want you to be resilient. I want you to be rested and, and, and be able to go out there tomorrow and flourish, uh, to be in a place where, you know, as you're drifting off or as you're getting ready for bed, you can say, you know, it's, it's not easy being you, but you do deserve a nice resting, uh, safe place, a nice place to r- relax into and a, a nice night of, uh, solitude or whatever you call it, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I've got my, you know, my vocabulary is limited because they said, "What's the like?" Uh, I mean, maybe part of me is like, "We got to get a hold of the big resiliency count, the resiliency council to get up and tell them about Beaker." But the thing is, as I said, I believe you deserve a good night's sleep. I believe you deserve a life uh, where you you can get get out there and flourish, uh, where you feel treated with dignity and respect and. You can do the same and, 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 you know, create, water some flowers out there in the world, you know? And so I hope I can help. Uh, and I really appreciate you coming by and checking out the show. It is a bit different, so give it a few tries. Almost every regular listener says it took a few tries until uh, it worked. Uh, but I really appreciate it that you came by. Uh, you're on a nice drive, and I really hope I can help you fall asleep. Uh, so thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we keep the show going. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Scoots. And this is going to be an interesting tale of the tape. I'm going to have to really, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. So uh, this is a Game of Thrones tale of the tape because uh, I haven't prepped it for the new season by rewatching anything. And because it's the close of the season, I was wondering if I could do in, in like a 50-minute span, like a tra- go through all the seasons of what I remember like uh and see what comes out of that because that should be pretty sleepy uh based on my memory alone unless i get really like so right now i haven't looked anything up but at some point i could pause it and say first off how many seasons have there been i'm guessing six so far but it could be seven or it could be five so what we'll do is we'll go through and kind of look at uh it'll just kind of go through things and meander it'll be meandering recall of uh, what what happened in, in, in over the history of the show and i guess it gives me about eight minutes a season depending on how many seasons there are though it could be between seasons uh three four five and six. Oh boy so season one was of course the intro okay a couple more things i guess so one is like one of the nice things about game of thrones is that despite all the complexities of uh everything and the pomp and circumstance and the drama and the action it really is just these human stories and a lot of it is like a family uh, and even the little kids that live inside us based at least in my opinion and that it is a show about family dynamics which is actually how the first season starts off so i guess that is a good transition because it does start off, uh, I believe, first off with the dynamics of two different families. So episode one, we meet the Starks. No, no, three. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Three different families. And I guess the greater political families. But so, yeah, so season one starts off, we meet the Starks. And again, I don't know. I know how the kind of the beginning and towards the end of the show I don't really know of the of the season, but so it starts off. We meet the Starks, um, and we meet uh, who's a bit uh, ba- um, uh, what's his name, Papa Stark, 
if you're a stickler for Game of Thrones, you're going to be in, in for it. Uh, and, you know, eventually I remember it. We meet, actually, even in the teaser, we meet Benjen, I think, uh, which doesn't pay off again until recently. And I remember reading that in the book. Uh, but so, okay, so we we see Benjen, then the show opens, then we meet the Stark family, maybe. And Ned Stark, actually, thank you, thank goodness I remembered that. Uh, Caitlin and Ned, oh boy, the Stark family. They live in the north, Winterfell. Ned lives by code, we learn that. We learn he's a kind father. Uh, we learn that there's a family dynamics. We learn that John is a, a half-son, or whatever you call it. Is like, uh, I mean, they have other words for it, but he's a snow. And we see the the dynamics between who do we got in there? We got a uh, little Ricky, Ricard, Rickard, uh, the three-eyed Raven, Bran. Who well, you know one day, but you know Arya, Sansa, the dude that was king. I forget his name. I want to call him Richard. Uh, maybe he played King King Richard at some point. I'll eventually remember his name. Jon Snow. And old uh, uh, Leonard, the forgotten Stark, that was like, that you say, wasn't there one more Stark son? Yeah, Leonard. Everybody forgets about Leonard. Rickard, it was cute, the cute one. You know, Bran was the one where you said, there's something more to Bran than I know. So those were the Stark kids, I believe. And the, the, kid, the kid, he was king, king in the north. That's, that's not season, that's season two. So we've learned the family dynamics. They get their uh, puppies. And, we, you know, we see Caitlin and Ned. Can, there's something you know, strained there. Maybe we get some hints back to the, the, the past. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so we meet the Starks. Eventually, also, in the beginning of the season, I don't know about the episodes, but uh, then we meet the... Um, what is their last name? Baratheons. Uh, Robert, we, we find out Robert Baratheon's king. He's coming to see Ned to make Ned his hand. We find out his hand is going to the big farm. We meet Cersei. We meet, uh, uh, I don't know if we meet Tom and, and uh, Tom and sister. That's a good question. Great question. I don't know. Jamie Lannister. And uh, Joffrey, we definitely meet Joffrey, and we we start to get a sense of their dynamics early in the season. We get uh, Cersei's and Robert's uh, uh, dynamics, and that Robert's a bit of a like uh, not good at governing, good at winning governance, but not good at governing. We get backstory about the three tridents or whatever the heck it was, and. We learn about Cersei and Jamie, then Bran, you know, to take but it takes a spill. We start to learn these other characters, uh, the Hound, Ilan Payne. Uh, so, so we just get some dynamics. We get the Joffs, not the, not that great. Uh, so, so we start to see that sort of strain, and then they head towards. Uh, some of them head towards uh, King's Landing. With King Robert. Now, meanwhile, at some point, we meet the Khaleesi, the future Khaleesi, uh, who's like, like, we start to learn that she's one of the Targaryens. 
or we meet her brother who's briefly like uh, like uh, cuts a jib like Killian Murphy a little bit and he's not likable either uh also we meet other characters like all the other characters like our good friend Varys uh, we meet Tyrion you know we start to get to know the land the other Lannisters Wow, this is, yeah, this is more complicated than I thought. So, like, uh, but we also, so we meet Khaleesi and her brother, the Targaryens. Believe me, I don't know if I'll remember any of that. And then we meet uh, their their sponsor, some rich dude, who's definitely, I don't have any idea, it probably will remember it at some point. And that, you know, that uh, Khaleesi's brother has grand plans of, uh, becoming returning as a, a triumphant Targaryen. And then we meet Cal Drogo. I'll just run through Khaleesi season, I guess, because uh, and we're here. Then with Cal Drogo and Khaleesi marry with her brother's intention of using that to like kind of unify and to get to Cal Drogo's armies. Uh, but he doesn't appreciate how, like, uh, he likes the Khaleesi. Uh, but not uh, her brother. So he says, uh, you know, you're out. Uh, she's a leader. You're not. She's kind. You're not. And I don't know if it was like, like uh, again, like I guess the Khaleesi story, let's just say that it was season one because I don't know if uh, she becomes a leader in season one or season two, to be honest with you. Again, maybe I could just follow Khaleesi's journey right now. And then go back to the Starks and the, the like when I get mixed up. So then the Khaleesi and Khal Drogo, they start to get to know each other. They'll end up, they like each other. Uh, like he, he's a horse lord or the lord of the, all the horses. Uh, and we do learn that she still shares this ambition of saying, well, maybe we do need to go across the, um, the sea and to take back my kingdom that's rightfully mine. Uh, we also learn that not everybody, like, there's challengers to the Cal Drogo's throne. And at some point, like, something happens, and then uh, everything's kind of thrown into disarray. Because he goes to visit the big farm. Uh, Khaleesi tries out some other options to keep him from the big farm. Then we learn that she's a mother of dragons. Uh, I don't know if that's, like, she goes and, and uh, she... Uh, She's, she's like the phoenix with the two dra- baby dragons. And that kind of seems to solidify her leadership for the most part. There's still, because uh, uh, Cal Drogo only uh, has his portion of his people. So at some point in this, oh, we also meet Sir Jorah. And then eventually as things move on, we meet uh, whoever that smooth dude is, Dario Naharis or whatever. So, yeah, then the Khaleesi over those first couple seasons, uh, she's not the Khaleesi yet. Uh, though I guess at some point she does become a Khaleesi. We get to know Sir Jorah, who's in, you know, seriously imperfect, uh, Dario Naharis, or whatever his name is. And then we see the Khaleesi start, uh, I don't know exactly the order of things, because uh, she has to deal with the rest of the horse lords. Uh, that might be in the, the Lord of the Rings, though. but. Uh, she does, where she says, hey, like, I'm your leader. And they say, well, we don't know. And she says, no, no, as a matter of fact, I am. And she pulls a smooth switcheroo on them. But I think earlier on, uh, 
Huh, I wonder what the order is where she starts freeing. I guess it would have been before, but I'm picturing the newer Dario Naharis uh, dealing with Sir Joro, like with the horse lords. But I don't know. She goes to meet with all the horse lords. They say, you're not the, you're the boss of us. She says, as a matter of fact, I am uh, Misa, mother of all people. And then she solidifies her leadership there. Let's just say that's what happened. Then the Khaleesi moves on to start freeing people uh, under the rule of not working by choice. Uh, first, uh, she uh, she meets the great, you know, the interpreter, uh, uh, and then she starts the, the unsullied. Then she starts freeing people and dealing with the people that wouldn't keep them free. And they don't like that change. So, so that's a couple of seasons of her going through these like ups and downs of like, uh, it, it gets not that difference in Robert trying to lead and trying to take over things. And at some point over that time, Sir Jorah Sir Jor gets fired. The Khaleesi really like, even though she has some ups and downs, she really solidifies her leadership eventually both by heart and by thorn or whatever you want to say. She, she has to, you know, keep both in balance. And she also picks up some new, she has Dario Naharis, who, you know, gets to, they say, well, you look different. He says, yeah, well, I'm more handsome now. And I say, well, maybe, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I guess you are. You're less crafty, more handsome. Uh, Tyrion comes to work with her. Varys becomes, becomes a part of her crew. I guess, yeah. At some point, Varys joins up. I wonder, like, uh, and, and so those are all delightful parts of seasons. Uh, and building towards this idea that eventually she's going to go back and, and uh, take things over. Like, so, yeah, it, it, like, uh, we won't have time to follow Tyrion or Varys' story anyway, I don't think. But they get these new starts with the Khaleesi. And eventually, like, uh, at the beginning of the previous season or the end of the season before, she says, let's go, let's get some ships. Uh, I forgot how she got the ships, uh, but she says, let's get some ships. Let's go across the sea and let's start taking things over, especially she hears about how the leadership's going over there. So she takes over, they go across the sea. And then last season or two, over the past two seasons, I don't know which ones, which she comes, she does, she deals with, uh, uh, the current leadership, which we'll get to in, uh, wherever that place is called Westeros, uh, and she has her ups and downs, you know, learning, like, uh, l you know, learning to deal with that. So eventually breaks out her, uh, her, her dear dragons and she's dealing with that stuff. But then also she gets called to the North because they say, well, there's a bigger thing to deal with, uh, other than just, uh, like, that's kind of how the last season closes. It's like, are you going to deal with the humans or are you going to deal with this other stuff in the north? Uh, and eventually as the season closes, she goes to the north. Uh, her and Jon Snow, as we know, kind of solidify their pact. You say, wait a second, are you two, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, they, we also see a dragon go to the big farm in the sky. I think that was as the season closed. Uh, so we see that, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. So I guess that's the Khaleesi's, a little bit of the Khaleesi's story. And what what is her name, though? Khaleesi, Daenerys Targaryen. So excuse me. Uh, so 
But I just call her Khaleesi because that's how, uh, you know, I would like to keep it professional. Okay, so let's go back to the Starks because they had a quite the journey. And it'll probably overlap a lot with uh, who are those other people, the Bra- before, you know, Baratheons or uh, uh, what's the father's name? What's their, their family name? The dude, uh, Charles Dance, that's his uh, the actor's name. Oh, Lannisters. Okay, so okay, so season one, they all go, Robert and Ned, and most of the families, but not the entire families, go back uh, to King's Landing. That's like they're Washington, D.C., and Ned's supposed to be working with Robert. Meanwhile, we know there's all these machinations going on. Game of Thrones, uh, you win or you go to the big farm. And we see that Cersei kind of has other things in mind. Robert's not the best partner anyway, or leader. Uh, also, so then uh, Robert goes to Big Farm, and then Ned says, oh boy, this isn't going to be good for me. Uh, because Ned's like, I live by a code, you know, truth before all things. Uh, so he's trying to figure out what the Game of Thrones is, but by the time he figures it out, he next, next thing you know, Baylor, he's in the big farm. Uh, faster than you can say Baylor. Now, if my memory serves, uh, 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 who, Sansa and Arya went with uh, Ned. And we learned that during that trip that uh, Joffrey's J U R K. Uh, but that Sansa kind of was, at least initially, kind of was, had this romantic notion about uh, being kings and queens and stuff, uh, as kids do. And so then at the end of that season, we learned Sansa's going to stay with the Lannisters. And Arya t- hits the road. She actually heads, uh, she just, she, she's heading to join um, Night's Watch. Uh, and she also makes a friend who she helps. But I think that's in the second season. Uh, so season one closes. Uh, oh, Jon Snow's gone to join the Night's Watch in the North at some point, too, in season one. Uh, so I think here's what you got. Like, you got Jon Snow up, uh, headed to the King's Watch, or Night's Watch, you're correct. Uh, Caitlin, Rickon, Bran... And the oldest brother, whose name, of course, I can't remember, uh, in King's Land or uh, in Winterfell, maybe. I guess he's like the head of Winter, like uh, him and his mom are kind of running things. Actually, at some point, the mom also, no, the mom, I think she went and then she bailed maybe right before. And she headed back to where she grew up with Tyrion. Yeah, she took Tyrion with her. Or no, they accidentally just ran into each other at a uh, an inn. I think that's season two. So at the end of season one, Arya's like with a crew of people going to the uh, Night's Watch. John's at the Night's Watch getting trained. Uh, Bran and Rickon are at home. Caitlin's traveling. Ned's in the big farm. and. Uh, Sansa's with the Lannisters, and so then season two. I wish I could remember that guy's name, the, the oldest uh, Stark. Uh, Ro- oh, I almost had it. It's not Robert Stark, though. King, King, whatever. The King in the North, they call him for a little while. So they start up. Uh, so he says, I'm going to lead my people in the North against the Lannisters. Uh, because they, you know, usurped things or whatever. 
Uh, meanwhile, Caitlin's going back to her hometown to try to get her sister to join her son. And like, like, like I think, uh, and Tyrion has to deal with all that. Uh, Arya is having her own adventures, uh, with, uh, initially all these kids joining. Then they join this, like, uh, whatever it's called. I forget, uh, Brotherhood Without Banners, but that's not until, uh, that's like, I think the Brotherhood Without Banners was originally Ned Stark's crew. He sent them out to deal with, uh, Maybe the mountain and the hound or something. I don't know. But I think like, uh, like season two is like the war of the three Kings or something it's called. So like basically Robert's brother, Stannis Baratheon and his like, uh, Oh, there's like a lot of other interesting stuff. I'm realizing, uh, is this when we have Loras, right? Uh, is he a Baratheon? He can't be a Baratheon. Uh, but whatever we learn, um, Oh no, is he? He's from uh, Highgarden, right? What's their names? Uh, totally forgot about them. Uh, but so season two is like Stannis Baratheon wants his brothers. He says, "I'm the king" because I was like the Baratheon before. You know, I'm older than my brother or something. I also think there's a third Baratheon. Yeah, there is. Oh, for a little while. Yeah, that's right. He's in a relationship with Loras, uh, and I forget his name though. And he was actually seemed like he was going to be a good king. And uh, he doesn't like so. And then Ned's son is like busy taking over the north. Two Baratheons are trying to become king or saying they're king. And uh, like, I guess they make uh, Joffrey king. Joffrey does become king or leader at some point. Uh, Those Cersei's queen regent on and off most of the time. And kind of calling the shots. Uh, oh, no, at first it's Charles Dance, uh, who's, uh, what's his name? Lannister, Big Boss Lannister. So, anyway, they, first they have to deal with the oldest Stark, whatever his friggin' name is. And I don't know if this is season two or season three. Maybe it spans three se- two seasons, uh, all this stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. So, like, it looks like they're winning, then they're not winning. Eventually, Caitlin makes it back uh, to join her son. Jon Snow's, like, learning the ropes up at uh, Winterfell, or wherever that's called, the Wall, Ice Reach, or whatever the heck, all those places up there. Uh, Sansa's trying to make the best of what she can, which includes different, like, uh, if like uh, thinking she's going to marry one person, you're getting told what to do. Then another person. Then initially, like she's going to marry Joffrey. Uh, getting told to get her brother in line. Meanwhile, Arya she has an adventure, and she learns from this other dude about uh, like she gets stuck dealing with Charles Dance for a little while at uh, wherever the um, mountains house was. Uh, and we kind of see that she's like, uh, like, uh, against him. Then she joined, then she says, uh, at the end of season three, I think maybe it's season two. Uh, she's met this cool dude. Uh, oh gosh, I forgot his name too. Again, I'm just winging this. And again, this is why I make a sleep podcast. My brain doesn't exactly record things in order or in a sensible way. But so she heads to, uh, Bravos eventually. 
because she had originally learned uh, fencing from a bravo sea. Then she meets this uh, mysterious dude who's one of the faceless people. And because he she owe, he owes her, like she he gives her a coin to go there. So, yeah, I don't know. So then, it, but at the same time, when that closes out, or as that's about to close out, uh, uh, we also find out that uh, it, I think this is the end of season three. Caitlin, what's the king's name? King, uh, my brother Stark. Uh, I don't know. Whatever the oldest Stark was with the beard, uh, he's a handsome guy, but uh, he's he had like like made some political decisions that weren't so great, and so eventually they they need this one bridge that this one old troll runs, uh, and instead of sharing the bridge and his people with them, he sends Caitlin and uh. Uh, the king, 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 uh, king, and the king in the north will say, and also, also his new bride. Uh, they all go to the big farm. This is actually, I think, Ari finds out about this, and then she, yeah, and I guess like she's with the hound. At some point, she hooks up with the hound, and then she says, "What? The, forget this whole thing." Uh, and then huh, maybe this is three and four, because then also at the same time. Uh, it gets a little bit more stretched out. So that's kind of Arya's journey a little bit. Then Sansa, she was stuck in the north. So basically, in the in the uh, King's Landing, you get Cersei and Joffrey trying to run things with their their advisors and their dad. And then they're also not that nice to Sansa. Sansa's supposed to get married to Joffrey. Then she's supposed to get married to Loras. Uh, then Joffrey is supposed to marry. Who does he marry? Like, because his wedding is like this big deal. Oh, he's marrying Loras' sister, right? I believe. Yeah. Uh, um, again, another character's name escapes me. Uh, and oh, and also at the same time, Jon Snow goes into the north uh, and meets the northern people who were, uh, like, uh, totally be- being, like, uh, said they weren't that great, and it turns out they are. Uh, so then, whatever, they're defending King's Landing. They get, they take out one of the, they send one of uh, the Baratheons to Big Farm using some undercover method. Uh, I think Stannis does that. Then Stannis tries to take King's Landing. He fails. And then, yeah, this is definitely sleepy stuff because, uh, so then uh, Joffrey goes to marry uh, one of the people from Highgarden. They're not Targaryens. Uh, Loris and... Hmm, good, these are good questions. And but, but So then Joffrey visits Big Farm. Uh, we actually get to spend some cool time with the, the uh, people from Sunspear uh, because uh, everybody's saying... At some point, uh, Tyrion gets in trouble for one thing, and I think he's like, in trouble for another thing. And uh, eventually, Tyrion gets out of trouble uh, because of the dude from Sunspear, uh, who's one of the coolest. But uh, I don't know his character's name. I know the actor's name, but uh, but so yeah, that's Tyr- Tyr- Tyrion. We kind of followed Tyrion's journey. 
Uh, but so Cersei, so Joff goes to the big farm. Uh, Cersei's not happy about it. She doesn't even know who's behind it. Uh, then she tries to, she puts uh, Tom in charge. Uh, while all that's happening, it, it, uh, Sansa gets out of there at some point. And then she ends up, uh, at some point she, she like crosses paths with Brienne, Brienne of Tarth, uh, who had promised her mother she would look after her daughters and bring them to the, her aunts, uh, I, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, Brienne of Tarth eventually brings Sansa to her aunts. Her aunts, like, uh, not that great. Uh, but that's where Sansa meets Baelish. Uh, also, that's where Arya the Hound and Brienne of Tarth all cross paths. I think this was before Arya broke out. Uh, like, this must have been afterwards where Arya heads to Bravos. Uh, speaking of Arya, so she goes to Bravos. I think this is probably season four in season five, and she studies at the House of Black and White to become a um, faceless person. And she's kind of torn as she's learning between, like, uh, becoming an expert at this uh, uh, stuff and losing all semblance of her individuality because they're kind of like a collective, collective being type group. And there's a lot of mythology there, but uh, eventually Arya figures out, this isn't for me. Uh, or is it? I guess I still didn't understand that. Uh, but she learns a lot of the skills, but I don't think she's 100% down to just uh, to have her identity. She still identifies as Stark. Uh, so then a cool thing in like season five or season six, Arya goes back to that, uh, uh, the bridge and the troll. It deals with the troll at the bridge uh, on behalf of her brother and her mom. And then eventually makes her way back to Winterfell. Now Sansa, oh boy, Sansa half. So she had to go from Joffrey uh, to thinking like uh, she hung out with Loras. Uh, but then uh, somehow they they got her out of, uh, they got her out of, because Cersei was kind of keeping her as like, well, I ha- kind of have you as a bargaining chip. Uh, so eventually she got out. Then she had to deal with her aunt, I think. No, no, no. Is that first or second? I guess that's, huh. When was that? Uh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm a little mixed up, but, but uh, at some point she deals with her aunt. She deals with Baelish. Uh, I think before that, she, uh, so what happened to her when she got away first? Like maybe she went back to Winterfell and is that right? And then eventually the, the, um, Boltons took over, and she had to deal with Bruce Bolton. Now, poor, poor um, the other—he's uh, not a Baratheon, is he? Yeah, uh, uh, I guess we don't have time for every character. But so, uh, Sansa ends up having to be married to Bruce, uh, not Bruce Ramsay Bolton, who's the worst person. I'm trying to think of many worse people on the show. At least Cersei has some redeeming qualities. Ramsey's one of those characters who's just uh, not uh, redeeming. But so, what happens? So eventually, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of Sansa's journey because she, she does. Uh, so she deals. She 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 has to be married to Ramsey. She keeps thinking that the people in the north are loyal. 
I think she gets out with Brienne of Tarth. Uh, would that be when she goes back to her aunt's place? Uh, that kind of makes sense. Uh, and then meets up with Baelish. Uh, maybe that's how everything happened. I don't know exactly. And eventually she comes back with Baelish's army. At the same time, uh, let's go into Jon Snow. So is that right? Jon Snow in charge of that? I guess, yeah. So Jon Snow's trying to deal with everything in the North. Then he meets up with Stannis Baratheon after he meets up with the Northern people. And I don't even know what, like, uh, hmm. Yeah, I'm a bit lost. Like, Stannis, he, he like, uh, I think he tried to recruit the Northern people to go to King's Landing. Maybe not. Uh, but Stannis ends up, like, uh, so at some point, he, I thought he forged a pact with Jon Snow. Maybe he didn't, though. I don't know. And, uh, no, he did. So I'm trying to think of how Brian Tarth got involved. Because uh, uh, eventually, you know, how is Brianna Tarth in there? Because she ends up seeing Stannis. Uh, but Stannis ends up, like, uh, deal, like going, like, uh, helping try to take the North back. Does this sound correct? Uh, with Jon Snow and some of the northern people. And it doesn't work well for Stannis. Then Jon Snow's in charge. And maybe with some of the other northern people. I don't know. But eventually Jon Snow tries to take Winterfell back uh, uh, from the Boltons. Uh, and uh, then uh, what comes in and saves the day is the Sansa with Baelish's army. Sansa comes in and saves the day. Now, maybe that was a message she sent out. I don't know if she was still stuck there. Uh, but I think I could see her on a horseback. Like, uh, But whatever, they take back the north. Uh, uh, Jon Snow and Sansa. And that's how like a season closes, because then eventually Arya joins up with them. And then I think last season was spent with like Jon Oh, Oh, Bran, you're right. So then Bran... Uh, so then Bran, at some point, uh, they have to get out of Winterfell when they lose Winterfell. So Bran, Rickon, uh, they sneak out, uh, and eventually Bran realizes they've got to head north uh, to, uh, like, because he's a three-eyed raven. He keeps having these dreams. I, I, I don't know if this is accurate, but uh, so eventually they head north, and Bran actually becomes a three-eyed raven. Like, oh, so Raven, he's a, th- oh, so Raven, three-eyed Raven. Uh, but so eventually we realize that, uh, what do we realize? So eventually they get the Winterfell back, uh, and then Arya comes from her adventures. Oh, the three-eyed Raven. So Bran goes north, uh, becomes a three-eyed Raven, which gives him powers, and also he realizes there's trouble in the north, too. And so he comes back uh, uh, to Winterfell, and uh, like they're all trying to figure out how to um, protect. They say, "Well, there's this coming from the north with this supernatural stuff. Uh, isn't that more important than our infighting?" And then it's kind of last season. It's like all of the Starks like trying to come together again. The, the family. The remnants of the family, I guess, uh, try to like come together to protect all of uh, Westerosian humanity uh, from this oncoming supernatural threat, uh, and uniting people and working together 
getting Khaleesi on board, uh, trying to convince uh, Cersei and them, and uh, leading towards this season where it looks like, oh boy, those odds are stacked against Westerosian humanity. And that kind of catches up where Khaleesi was. Like, so Khaleesi's got a uh, Varys. Uh, there's also a red woman comes in and out. I'm not sure about that. Um, there's Missanda, Missande, who's the interpreter, who's my, you know, that's the character that, uh, that makes my heart flutter. But there's also Missan, Missandra, I think, the red woman. And there's, that's another kind of supernatural. And it's trying to tell who, where they're at is really confusing. Uh, but some, so it's, at this point, it looks like the Khaleesi has joined with Jon Snow to try to protect the North. Uh, is where we kind of left off. Is then back in King's Landing, Cersei has been through a lot of political Game of Thrones. So she's been playing the Game of Thrones. She says, that's the title of the show. I don't know what everybody says. It's not Game of Dragons. It's not Game of Walkers. Uh, it's not Game of Freedom. It's Game of Thrones. Uh, me, me and Sanus are really the only ones that get this. Uh, so she's actually been playing the Game of Thrones the whole time. I mean, now, I wouldn't play with her, by, by the way. Because then uh, if uh, Cersei's son becomes, uh, like, uh, Tommen becomes king. And Tommen marries uh, whoever the people are from Highgarden, whose names I can't remember. Uh, then, in, in like, uh, two seasons ago, maybe this religious movement crops up. Uh, Tommen, charismatic kind of religious movement. Which threat is another Game of Thrones? You say, well, it's not just in the throne. That's a throne, too. Which also becomes, like, that was the season before last, I think, because that seems to threaten Cersei's power. And so towards the end of that season, Cersei pushes all her chips in on Game of Thrones. She says, it's the name. Again, the Game of Show isn't Game of Parents. Uh, it's not Game of Mom. It's not a ga- Game of Fair. It's Game of Thrones. And that's how that season ends. She says to Tom and his new wife, the charismatic religious movement, and they play by their own rules, too. She says to them, uh, well, I think it backfired on her. I think she tried to use that religious movement, but she's got a lot of crafty people working for her, too. But she says, this is Game of Thrones, pushes all her chips in again. And as the season, last season progressed, at least initially, she was in the throne. Uh, she had a new, she had her own crown. Uh, she was in charge. Uh, she was uh, putting Jamie to work. Jamie was torn, of course. But then, like, she was playing Game of Thrones with the Khaleesi uh, until the Khaleesi was pulled north. Uh, and she was working with that Reaver dude, Euron. And she has that mad scientist. She has a blue-faced man working for her. And Jamie's also very, I'd say, I mean, I don't know who the most tragic character is that's made it through all seven seasons. I mean, you got a lot to pick from. And I don't mean like a heroism and tragedy. I mean, just pure tragedy. I mean, say like Sir Jorah, Jamie Lannister. Seriously, she might be too unredeemable to be tragic, I guess. Who are the other tra- tragic, most tragic characters? Uh, there's got to be, I mean, maybe the red woman. I don't know. We, I guess we don't have enough character for her. 
I mean, could be Tyrion. Could, we could see something with Tyrion. I mean, a lot of the Starks have been through a lot, uh, which like they've dealt with tragedy, but this is more like uh, where you just like it's like Jamie's the one character that just can't get in Jorah. They can't get anything right. Uh, uh, you see, what are you thinking? Every time you say, can we sit down for a second? I mean, with Jamie, it makes a little more sense because he's just like devastatingly handsome. Where he says, well, I just got to like, like, look at me, man. I make my own decisions, but, you know, I don't have to think about it. I say, okay. And Sir Jorah does have rugged handsomeness to him, but, uh, he has a, yeah, he has a bit of handsomeness to him too. I don't know. Could it be Khaleesi? I'm trying to think of what other. I mean, Sans has definitely had her journey's gotten. She's had ups and downs. Uh, where, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, Jamie and uh, Sir Jorah have had moments. Uh, I don't know. I just think about him like. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, other things they missed, other characters that had the smaller journeys. Brienne of Tarth, of course. The Hound. So the Hound was like uh, one of the Lannisters' lackeys for a long time and got on Arya's uh, bad list. Uh, then eventually hooked up with Arya at some point, and they were a crew, which was a cool crew. Uh, then he hooked up on again and off again with Brotherhood of Banners. Uh, and then uh, at some point he took a visit, quick visit to the big farm in the sky. Then he hooked up with the Brotherhood of Banners again. Eventually hooked up with, in, he's in Jon Snow's crew. Uh, with the Brotherhood of Banners, which is uh, like the best, I mean, right currently, even before Khaleesi got there, that's probably the best crew to be in. Um, so there's that, uh, and in that, I, I guess I'd have to rewatch those episodes. I don't even know, uh, what, like who, who's like around. I'd have to watch that last couple of two episodes again. Um, but I'm sure I missed a lot. Of course I did, uh. I mean, we had Tyrion's journey, kind of Tyrion's been around, like, in a very similar way. Uh, you have Bronn, who's kind of like Jamie's. uh, he was originally Tyrion's sidekick, then he's become Jamie's sidekick. I'm sure maybe he'll return to being Tyrion's sidekick again. Bronn's a sellsword. Uh, Tyrion's the smarter, uh, but more conscious, like, makes his decisions. Now, I guess there's moralist, uh. Uh, he's just a, he's the most intellectual character, I guess. Probably, I mean, Varys, maybe, uh, Khaleesi, she's like, uh, um, but yeah, so like eventually Tyrion's gone from being a Lannister, uh, to in the Khaleesi crew. But at the last episode, I say, well, where, what's going to happen to Tyrion next? Uh, Bran was like shortly for a short time in Caitlin's crew, but then he joined up with Tyrion, but he's kind of like, it's the character. We have the characters in the South. We haven't really heard from, I don't know if we'll hear from them again. Uh, not, I don't know what the, like the Bravosi. I don't know if we'll hear from any of the Bravosi again. I mean, we get to deal with that dude, Euron, sooner, sooner the better for him. And he's from that island. I forget about that character. Theon, Theon Greyjoy. Who's that? That name just popped in my head. Is that who I'm thinking it is? Is Theon like, there's another tragic character. Is that who Theon is? Theon, Theon Greyjoy. Greyjoys. 
Yeah, there's Euron Greyjoy. So Theon, I think, is he's like, uh, holy cow, he he he's another one, but he doesn't. He's unlucky. You no, know, he makes poor decisions too. So I guess, like, to, to, for me, the tragic characters are the ones that make the worst decisions. I mean, because the characters are trying to make the best decisions they can. They're just always terrible. So you have a, a, a triad of uh, Jamie, Theon, and uh, who's the other person? I already forgot. Who, who, oh, uh, Sir Jorah. Uh, so, yeah, Theon is like, he was just uh, like a, it's complicated, but he was kind of like a, like a, living with the Starks as like a guest. Uh, and like as a bargaining guest, but kind of part of the family, but never part, totally part of the family. He definitely had an inferiority thing. Uh, he wasn't as handsome as the Stark boys. I mean, just a fact. Uh, or quite as skilled. So he's always trying too hard. And then he like uh, had like those issues where he wanted to go home, but he wasn't welcome at home. And never good enough. So he, he he's gone on quite quite the journey, too. I mean, just a brilliant show overall. I mean, I guess like you're trying to put six seasons or whatever and remember them all in 50 minutes isn't easy. But, yeah, that's a little bit of the tale of the tape of what I remember of the first six, five, six, seven seasons of Game of Thrones. Just to get you caught up uh, for this season that's about to start soon. Good night.